to the PM Mastery Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you master your project management skills by sharing tips, tricks, tools, and training to get you to the next level while sharing the stories of other project managers on their journey in project management. And now, here's your host, Walt Sparling. Welcome to episode number three. And today we are interviewing Sean Kelly project manager and assistant director, but I'm going to let you, Sean, tell me more about that. So let's start out with, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Michigan and I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina about 10 years ago during the, I graduated in the recession and Michigan's economy wasn't doing as great back then. And there was a little bit more opportunity down here in North Carolina. And, and so I started chasing that opportunity and haven't looked back since. So that's, cool. that's, that's how I got down here. Is it just you? Is there more of you? You have a family? I'm actually a, uh, I'm a father of three boys. I got uh, two twin three-year-olds and a newborn baby. Oh, and wow. so uh, my home life keeps me pretty busy. Uh, in my uh, spare time, I, I enjoy the winters uh, going, going downhill skiing and trying to get outside whenever I can the rest of the year. But, uh, Life with my sons keeps me uh, keeps me pretty busy between that and work these days. I'll bet. So now, do you ski in North Carolina, or do you go elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we have a few few little mountains here in the wintertime that get some snow, and then uh, then also you know when I can travel out west and and uh, back home to Michigan every now and then. So we get around when we can. I've always said I like to live in North Carolina, but every time I've ever visited, it's always been during a summer break. And so I only get to see the kind of the nice weather. Yeah, I I give you a plug for Charlotte. You know, it's uh, it's kind of in the center of the state, so you're you're about two hours from the mountains and about three three and a half hours from the beach, and so you get a moderate climate most of the year, other than the summers. They're pretty warm, and it's a great it's a great city and a lot of beautiful scenery and pretty short driving distance. So it's it's a great place to live. Cool. I've been there one time to Charlotte, actually, a client has, uh, that's their headquarters. So um, maybe I'll get up there again. If I do, I'll have to look you up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love to show you around. So tell me what it is you do. What's your title, job description, as much as you can tell us about uh, your, your kind of day-to-day. So I am currently the assistant director of infrastructure at uh, UNC Charlotte, which is a uh, college campus here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are the third largest campus community in the UNC system. So in the state, uh, the only colleges that are bigger than we are in the state system would be UNC Chapel Hill, which everybody is familiar with, and NC State. Those are both state schools as well. But we are the up-and-comer, fast-growing university in North Carolina, fastest growing university in North Carolina. And we've enjoyed some, you know, in, we've enjoyed a lot of increases in student, uh, student enrollment and growth here over the last 10 to 15 years. How does that affect my job? From a campus perspective, we've seen a lot of construction over the last 10 to 15 years. And I've been with the university for about five. And we are now currently entering into more of a slowdown and big capital construction projects and focused more on our, our repair and renovation and kind of maintenance of our existing infrastructures. So we've built so fast and so, so furiously 
uh, to keep up with the demand that uh, we didn't have a lot of time to put in place some of the preventative maintenance measures and and take the time to kind of care for the older buildings that uh, that they need. So this is a great time, an exciting time for us to kind of refocus in on on kind of the repair and renovation side of thing and taking all these great structures that we built and and you know making sure they stay that way for for years to come. My role, I lead a team including myself and uh, three other project managers and we handle all of the civil exterior improvements on campus as well as a lot of the heavy utility mechanical electrical plumbing uh, projects and um, and building envelope projects. So pretty much everything outside and anything to do with uh, utilities and infrastructure that feed buildings. So high voltage power lines, transformers, generators, chillers, our roof leaks, doors, leaking foundations on buildings, roadways, landscape, exterior lighting, all of those types of things. The job is interesting. The job is always, you're always learning something new and the, the projects are, are always different even when you think they're going to be the same. And, you know, we handle projects from a dollar amount, anywhere from $1,000 in a small informal project to helping some operations team all the way up to the, the tens of millions of dollars of projects. It, uh, it just depends on the need. So it's a little different every day and it keeps me on my toes and keeps me growing as a professional. Awesome. It's interesting because I just interviewed Brooks, who you are very familiar with. And in fact, he's the one that gave me your name. And he also works on a college campus, but he's in Texas. Just so everybody out there, we're not only going to talk to PMs from colleges, but uh, just so happens we have two in a row. It's uh, interesting. He deals with the same kind of stuff you do, the older buildings, the newer buildings, maintenance, MEP, the whole deal. Yeah, it's, um, you know, college campuses, much like, you know, we, Brooks and I both belong to a uh, association called COA which is Construction Owners Association of America. And, you know, we have a lot of different industries that are plugged into that group. People from airports, the federal government, academic institutions, hospitals, healthcare systems, those types of things. Netflix has, has come for a while. You, you get a diversity of these companies, these owner companies. And but the one common thing that you find, whether it's an academic project manager you're talking to or a project manager at Netflix, is that we all have have very similar problems. We're all dealing with very, very similar types of situations, tight budgets or high expectations or, you know, getting contractors or engineers and architects to deliver what you need on time and make sure your contracts are right. You know, name your, name your poison. We all kind of find common ground in what we do as uh, owner representatives. So, and project managers. Good deal. All right. We kind of know what you do and where you work. Now, as far as you got into this somehow, either through education or interest, so why is it that you do what you do? Well, I do what I do. I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, which is, you know, I love, I love to be challenged. I love to learn new things. I love to continue to push myself and grow in my profession. And I, uh, I really enjoy delivering a tangible product that has an impact on people's lives. In my case, you know, the buildings and the infrastructure we work on provides a great place for people to to learn and live and enjoy. And I get a lot of gratification out of that. I got into this role in in kind of a strange way. I 
graduated with a landscape architecture degree. And uh, like I said, I moved down here about 10 years ago into to Charlotte and started working for a residential design build company. And at a young age when I was just hungry for any kind of work. So I got a lot of management experience uh, helping build a small business early on in my career. Uh, we took the company from a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and three employees to about 50 employees and $5 million a year in about 10, well, six years, six years we did that. So at a very young age, I got a lot of experience managing people and dealing with issues that most people don't have the fortune to, to get exposed to until later on in their careers, especially if you go to work for a, a large architecture or engineering firm, those types of things. A lot of times you start out as a CAD jockey and uh, learn from the ground up and then, you know, you get get to learn the management lessons later on in your career in your mid to late thirties and forties. And so I had the benefit of learning some of those, those management leadership techniques early on in my career. So you um, just, ex- you just described me. Yeah. That's yeah. how I started with uh, cat jockey. Yeah. And, and so it was a different experience. I, I learned how to build things from being in the field and learn how to manage guys with the shovel and, and, you know, and, and, and get in the dirt and kind of figure things out instead of instead of being in a computer in front of a computer reading a book telling me how to do it. It was a little different, a little different experience. So we we I moved from the private sector and got a job as a ground supervisor in our on our operations team at at our campus. And I managed about 16 guys and we got a, about a 400 acre campus and I I managed uh, the core 90 90 to 100 acres of campus that had to be. It was the most visible part of campus. And I did that for about two years until a project management position opened up. And I uh, was able to do move into a role that fit my skill set a little bit better. I missed building things. I loved uh, loved managing guys and, and the maintenance and the day-to-day improvement of campus, but I, I missed uh, building projects. But it, it, it gave me another feather in my cap. It gave me another uh, seeing that operational side of a larger company and a larger facilities operation really gave me a unique experience that a lot of our PMs that I was going to work with in our facilities group hadn't had either. Now I had a leadership experience from my first job and in management, and then I got operational experience as a ground supervisor, and both of those served me very well in my project management role. So then I went down to managing just myself and, and running smaller informal civil projects. And then just recently over the last year, a position opened up for our assistant director of infrastructure. And I was fortunate enough to, to get that promotion. And, and so now I've learned a whole new set of challenges and taken on a whole new set of challenges and issues. And the skills I'm learning now are just building on the, the foundation I've, I've put forth over the last 10 years of my career. A lot of hands-on experience, a lot of learning in that way. It sounds like it's helped you grow in your career. Also, where you started is not where you are. Things happen over a career, things change. Now, moving forward, obviously this new position, learning some new things there. How else do you stay on top of uh, keeping up with the industry or with uh, just general education in, in doing project management or project leadership? There, there are a couple different things. I would say the first is is to really network. It, it's to to talk with your peers at where you work, to talk with the consultants or the people that you 
work with on a day-to-day basis, your contractors, your subcontractors, your, your consultants that you bring in, all of these people have different perspectives on what you do. And they also have different contacts and connections. And you never know the one person you meet today could give you your dream job or lead you to your dream job tomorrow. So don't discount your network. Stay in touch with people from college or school, your professors, and, and never, never meet a stranger. You know, always introduce yourself and try and try and put yourself out there uh, because you never know the information people have and, and that are willing to share with you. And you never know that next person you're going to meet that could, you know, take your life in a completely different direction. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is uh, the Construction Owners Association, COA, has been a huge part of my growth in uh, project management. As I said, I was not, I went to school to be a landscape architect. In landscape architecture school, they don't really teach you as much about project management and contracts and schedules and budgets and, and those types of things. The focus is more on design and, and moving into a firm environment. So those were skills that I was weak at moving into my project management, my first project management position and needed to have more education on the lingo and, and just to feel more confident when I walked into a room that I knew what people were talking about. I would say, you know, COA was a, a big, big help with that and APA as well, which is also a, it's an, I always butcher what APA actually stands for, but if you Google it, it'll come up. And what it is, is it's an owner association for higher ed facilities and facilities professionals. And while COA is focused more on the owner and project manager side, APA is focused more on overall facilities staff. So your BES staff, your uh, housekeeping staff, and your facilities staff, and then also your project managers and kind of how everybody works together in one movement to, to accomplish your you know, manage your facilities, overall facilities. So that's another great resource in my career that's helped me get to where I am. And then I, I would also say just, just pushing myself to take on new projects. You know, I'm very comfortable uh, laying side concrete sidewalk or paver walkways, but I asked to do an interior project. You know, I asked to take in, do an office renovation uh, where I had to order carpet and lighting and paint walls. And I spend most of my career working outside well, by doing those things, you not only learn new new skills, but you also learn different perspectives of what other people on your team go through on a daily basis. And you develop a better respect for them. And you also learn how to talk to them a little bit better. And you learn how to ask better questions on the stuff you do all the time. Um, because you sometimes, a lot of times you learn a little bit about something that uh, you know, you're going to pick up and be able to help somebody else out with. So I think asking for stretch projects, and you know, stretch goals for setting stretch goals for yourself, and always be a, being open to new opportunities um, is a great way also to develop your your skills. You don't always need to have a great mentor or belong to a great organization. You know, sometimes just making use of the people and the opportunities that are around you can really help you grow, grow and and stay on top of new skill sets. Okay. Definitely some organizations out there that uh, can be helpful in growth and education. I'm going to add those into the show notes. And then networking sounded like a really big one, not only new, but old connections, keeping them going. Uh, I can say that uh, the job I'm in now was from someone I've known for 15 years. I actually hired her as an assistant project manager a long time ago. And over the years, we ended up 
ended up at each other's companies. And then finally this position opened up where she was at and she sent, she asked me to send my resume in and now she's on my team. And again, after all these years, so it's, it was because of that connection that I got the job for sure. And that's how it goes most of the time. It's, it's, it, it really is true what they say. It's more about who you know than what you know. And you got to know something, but right. uh, you got to know people too. A lot of new stuff going on now. You're taking on stretch projects, which is cool. What about uh, challenges? Which right now, I know everybody's got the whole COVID-19 thing going on in some form, but what would you say your biggest challenges are? I think find enough time in the day. That's that's one of my biggest challenges uh, right now. I'm the type of uh, project manager who likes to be three steps ahead of you know whatever the demands of my customer, or my boss is going to be. And so as a as a I'm not going to say a young dad, but a middle aged guy that has got young kids at home and you know kind of a third of his way through his career. You know, finding time to be the dad and the husband that you want to be as well as continue to achieve and succeed in the workplace and, and be on top of everything that's coming at you in order to do that time and the energy in the day, uh, especially through the COVID-19 pandemic, which just added a whole nother layer of stress to everything has, has been, has been the challenge finding the balance. And I know everybody talks about work-life balance and those types of things. And it means something different to everybody, yep. but, uh, Finding the time and, and prioritizing what's most important to your customers and to your to your bosses and, and you know to your family. That's been something I've been been working on. And then also change, dealing with change. And there's been a lot of change in our workplace. We've been going through a big reorganization and we have new leadership at the university. And we were doing all that prior to COVID, though we've been doing it throughout COVID as well, started about six months before COVID. And, you know, we've been doing a whole reorg while trying to work remotely, uh, dealing with the organizational change and uh, constant ever-changing technology and expectations of customers. And this, what COVID's put on us has also been challenging as well. Okay. Yeah. Challenges. They're, uh, they're a challenge <laughs> and everybody's different. I think the best thing that I can say is my advice to, you know, I always like to not just offer the challenges, but, you know, some of the things I found effective to, to addressing those is, you know, to, as far as time goes, trying to put some time limits on your work. It's easy to work 24 hours a day now that your office is pretty much in your bedroom and also just taking breaks to, you know, spend some time with the kids and take 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, get a breather from the emails or the phone calls and, and, you know, remember why you're doing everything. As far as change goes, I, I think you just got to take, I always say this, one problem at a time. You know, take the first problem of the day that's coming at you. And, and you know, you just take one problem at a time. And, and eventually, you know, you'll get somewhere. But you can't you worry about all 55,000 of them that are coming at you at once. You can, you can be overwhelmed pretty quick. Yeah, that's one thing about one of my things I struggled with. And I still struggle with a little bit is I get involved in starting a lot of stuff and the real benefit and the value is when you finish stuff. Getting sidetracked on issues, like you said, doesn't help you finish stuff. You got to focus. Yeah. Yeah. Tools. Everybody has something that helps them do their job, whether it be 
hardware or software, maybe paper. Everyone's different. So what do you, do you have any favorite tools? Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're not that exciting or cutting edge. I mean, I, I got to say my iPhone is uh, probably my biggest tool that I use right now. And it, I use it for a lot of different things. It's the Swiss army knife of my life, job site photos to video conferencing, to checking emails, taking, you know, taking pictures, being on zoom calls or Google meet calls or Microsoft team meetings, or just an average phone call these days. I find having that little computer in my pocket uh, helps keep me mobile. I can't tell I can't tell you how many times I am out physically walking a job site while on a conference call or driving home on a conference call these days. And that tool is probably my most valuable as far as staying productive and and you know keeping in touch with everything. And then I would say the, the other one is, and this is going to sound cheesy, but but it's just the Google search engine. In my line of work, I don't always know everything. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that I never will. The ability to kind of Google search an acronym that I may not, that came up four times in a meeting that I may not know yet, or Google search a specific piece of equipment. A lot of times I'll be out and I'll see a cooling tower and we don't have a spec manual on it, but I have it online if I can find the serial number. And so being able to instantly look look that information up, that Google search is, uh, is a real you know, key helper in what I do. There's a lot of project management software, design software and all that, but I would say those two tools on a daily basis are, are two tools I use all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. Google search, I never would have, I mean, I know it's a tool and I, I do, I use the crap out of it. I mean, I use it to help me with my other tools, but it is, it is awesome. And there's a lot of people out there that solve problems only because Google, because they can it, find things. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just crazy. And, you know, in an age where we're expected to have an answer two minutes, it's a lot of times is, you know, how you answer the question sometimes is how well you're educated, you know, being able to just prep for a meeting or whatever. I mean, it, using a million different ways, but yeah, don't underestimate the, the Google search. Awesome. So I have one final question and uh, this is something that I, I've decided to put at the end of all the podcast. I do, for my team, I do presentations. And at the end of them, I do what we call a did you know. And it's something I started just to mix things up and did it a, two or three times and then stopped it. And then everybody was like, hey, where's the, where's the did you know? I'm like, oh, I didn't do one. Oh, we like those. And I look around, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we like those. So I said, okay. So I started them up again. And sometimes I do two furs or three furs and, you know, or a theme, but they're, they always love the did you knows. So I'm like, I, and why is that? Because we learn something every time. I learn something when I look them up. What I'm asking all the interviewees is what kind of did you know could you share with the audience? So my did you know is I believe that in no matter what profession you're in, you got to have you can always use skill, uh, these two th skills, which is uh, customer service skills and sales skills. Even if you're the most introverted engineer out there, you're going to have to interview for a job at some point and you're going to need to sell yourself or you're going to need to sell a solution to a problem you've been tasked with and uh, to a group of people. Um, uh, 
being able to convey your problem or your solution and get buy-in from a group of people is, is a really important skill to have. I would encourage everybody, if you have an opportunity to take a sales class or take a sales training or um, all it really is, all sales training really is, is communication education. And sales skills are just learning or to, to help you. They're helping you learn how to communicate better with people, how to clearly understand what their expectations are and to define them and then also to help present and sell solutions to those those problems and issues. So sales skills and customer service skills, um, I think are, are also equally as important. At, at the end of the day, you may say, well, I, I don't have I don't have a customer. Well, you do though. Uh, your boss is your customer or you know architecture firms it may be your client or it may be the operations team that you're you know supporting uh, if you look carefully and wherever you are working um, you probably have a customer somewhere so being mindful of the tone in which you're communicating with them how you're communicating with them uh, what you're doing to help make their lives easier um, and 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 better and then also you know the product that you're delivering and how that makes being aware how that makes them feel and in assessing the job that you're doing the more mindful you are of that that customer service interaction um the the better you're going to be at your job um and the the more open your feedback is going to be on what you can do to improve and and stay ahead of the curve on on addressing whatever it is your weaknesses are no, I think that's both great recommendations, especially for those that are just getting started. The sooner you learn it, the the better better you are. Like you said, getting a job, you got to sell yourself. You know, getting promoted, you got to sell yourself. So, definitely two good skills. Sean, I greatly appreciate the time that you have given us. Maybe down the road we'll have you back to talk a little bit more about what you're up to, or maybe even get into uh, the the whole tools thing, because I'm hoping to do expand on some of the tools that are out there and maybe have like a, a circle of PMs and have them go back and forth about what their favorite tools are. Yeah, it sounds great. All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much for joining. All right. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right, guys. And for everybody else, we'll see you on the next episode of PM Mastery.